Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. on for so long <clears throat> it's very cold here in kansas city it is five whole degrees mm. this time last night it was like negative two yeah well it was five whole degrees when i looked at it an hour ago it's oh, probably oh. actually lower now um hi folks i'm tim harvey and i'm dustin and this is apocalypse now and we are uh just off the new year's eve holiday yes and we it actually were we repl- were going to record on new year's eve right but you had a party. I did. And you stayed late. And I apparently have a new house guest. Right. Um, I, Hamish. Hamish, who is a stray cat who may be living with me now. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but yeah, so we decided to push it off to today. So we're actually recording this on Monday, the Je- 1st. January 1st, 2018. So we wish you, of course, uh, a banner, ha- banner start to the new year. That's right. Uh, we I hope am still in pajamas. <laughs> yes, he is, and this is the episode I'm going to put out on video. No, I'm not. We're not going to do that. So, uh, the Walking Dead shows are on hiatus right now. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure when Fear the Walking Dead comes back. Yeah, not until summer. I don't so think. we are currently watching Residue, and if you tuned in last week, I'm sorry, not last week, but two weeks ago, because we took last week off because of Christmas. Um, if you tuned in, we talked about the first episode. Short version is what the government says was a weapons depot exploded on New Year's Eve in this unnamed city, which is a sort of a crushed together version of of London and Hong Kong and uh, just like a, a standard British city. Right. And it's actually filmed in several different cities, and it's very, very deserted. It's It's a really really effective uh, technique they've managed to make this place feel very isolated. But the short version is, is this bomb goes off, or I'm sorry, this weapons something, depot. Something happens. There's an explosion. And, you know, five miles, five square miles of the city is basically quarantined off. Right. And people have lost friends and family, um, and it's basically punched this giant hole in everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. And this show deals with several people gradually becoming aware that not everything they've been told is the truth. Right. And that much more disturbing things are actually happening other than the chemical fallout from this weapons depot. What the government says is a, uh, an underground weapons depot. Right. There's there's this cop mm-hmm. whose daughter died in the blast. She was at ground zero. And I doubt there's going to be like some like 11th hour... Here I am because like they you see like the fire engulf her in the right. first fifteen minutes of the first episode. Um, then there's um, what's his name the the government spokesman. Um, um, Roman Ivif. His name is Jonas. Jonas, and he is played by. Uh, Ewan Rian? Ewan Rian, right. Uh, who uh, most recently made the had the misfortune of being on, on Marvel's Inhumans. 
Right. We tried. Before that, he was he was on Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, he plays Jonas Black. Right. <laughs> That's not an ominous name at all. <laughs> He's um, one of the good guys. Yeah. And so, so the cop is trying to figure out what really happened because his daughter died. And right. he wants to know what really happened to his daughter. Uh, Jonas is starting to think that he's being lied to by his employers. Right, because he's basically sent out to give speeches periodically about what the government is doing. Yeah. And it's becoming the same speech. Right. There's no real um, progress here, and people are starting to ask more and more questions. And he's starting to ask questions that he wasn't asking before. Mm -hmm. And starting to see holes in the official story. Right. And it doesn't help that, like, the three people that they send out to make these speeches, like, they should just have uh, flunky thugs stamped <laughs> on their forehead because it's Jonas. And, like, last time he's doing the, the official thing, he's wearing, like, an all-black suit. And then his direct supervisor is this woman... And she is wearing this, like, high-collared white jacket, and she's got long, black, straight hair, and looks very, like... very. And then, like, the third guy, who I don't know if he's ever said a word, is also very ominous-looking, like, you know, very severe, with big black sunglasses on. It's like, if you are going to send people out to, like, I want to reassure the populace, don't send the creepiest dudes in the office out. This is true. Yeah, it's it's a, a very it's a very stylized show. And tonight, yeah. tonight's episode, oh, we, we forgot to mention Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, who's the photographer, who's photographs. Uh, she's starting to see things in the photographs around people who have got uh, exploded in acts of violence, yes, or, and or self destruction, right? And it's sort of sort of this black haze, and there's this recurring uh, black spot, yeah, that's moist yeah and we have a friend of ours Anne marie if you ever want to see her like her eyes just twitch and her mouth teeth grind is she's not a fan of the word moist a lot of people mm. that bothers no that's what this is it's creepy moist it's yeah it's black oozy bubbly kind of yeah there's a whole scene where the camera is just closing in on this and it's like yeah you know, like, uh okay that's gross right but so these people are uh, interacting with each other because, of course, Story Jonas, demands it. Yeah, well, yeah. Jonas <laughs> and Jennifer are a couple. Um, Levi, the police officer, uh, she encounters him at a, at a crime scene, and these they start to interact. But, uh, like I said, the show is very stylized, and tonight's episode was very, very cinematic. The first episode yeah. looked really pretty. I mean, right. it was very, very well shot. And it's got one of those things going on where um, it's... It's the Stranger Things did this very, very well in both seasons. Well, the first season especially, where the characters are all starting to f figure out something is amiss mm -hmm. for entirely different reasons, right. leading not only them on a collision course with whatever ominous thing is happening that they have discovered, but also with each other. Right. So. They all kind of are in their own peripheries of each other. Like, Jennifer has told Jonas she thinks something really bad is happening. And he's kind of already had that feeling because he of the work that he does and the secrecy surrounding the work that he does. 
So he already has that feeling, but he kind of thinks that she's going a little crazy. Right, because she's not sleeping. She right. is she is becoming obsessed about this. If you have to sit there and look at her, what her character is rationally doing, mm-hmm. or, or rationally look at what her character is doing more accurately, she is not sleeping. She isn't eating. She's out at all hours of the night trying right. to hunt this down. It's a little obsessive. Right. Now, it's paying off if you want to see you know her go into places where it's like, this is really bizarre, and yeah. this is creepy, and this is ominous, and this is, like, there's a mystery here. But at the same time, if you're in a relationship with somebody, and you know that this is this is part of what they do, they go out in the middle of the night. This isn't a question of being jealous or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's a question of, honey, take a nap. Right, and I think that that's one of the things that they've done pretty well. I mean, uh, they don't have a lot with only three episodes right. to, you know, create... I, I'm sure that it was more of a question of like, it wasn't a question of like, let's make their relationship strong and stable as much as, do we really want to throw in relationship drama? We only have 90 minutes right. to tell the story. Well, and you have to say though, that there are some, there are, we, we've seen films and series where they do that and mm-hmm. you're like going, why is this here? Yeah. How is this helping the story? This is a very much a case of them going, we don't have time for this. We're not going to put it in. Mm-hmm. And there's an—I think you can infer enough enough tension in their relationship just from the fact that he is constantly feels like he's lying to people and not being able to give them whole truth, but he doesn't have whole truths. Right. And now she is in this weird obsessive place and is having, you know, crazy, crazy town happen to her. At the same time, though, she's actually producing something that, to her mind, she's getting these photos, and you can see what's happening. These, these, you can see these wispy, dark things and and echoes of people's yeah. faces in the images. But everyone else looks at her and goes, "Maybe there's something wrong with your camera. Or, it's a double exposure." Yeah. Or, you know, the, my favorite reaction was, she showed them to her because she's an artist. She's a up and coming photography artist Mm -hmm. and so she has this show and so she's showing the gallery owner and the gallery owner is like your work is good enough that you don't have to digitally add things to it and the look on jennifer's face is just like (laughs) these are all rational responses to seeing a photo Mm -hmm. i mean because the the reality of of the world they've established here is a world that feels a lot like ours in the sense that your first reaction after an explosion that shuts down a portion of town is not, now where are the creepy ghost monsters at? Yeah. You know, that's just not what we do. And so people are, it's not that people are ignoring the the obvious paranormal weirdness that's going on here or whatever it is. Because to me, right. you know, they're just, they just have a more, there's a more rational explanation yeah. is the first thing they think of. So, it, but it's at the same time, it's, it's messing her up. Um, Jonas is like going, you know, I'm getting no support from my bosses. Yeah. Unless he's got, he, it turns out he's getting less than he even knows he's getting mm-hmm. because his boss has something going on with somebody in the government who's got some really cool glasses. Yeah. And that guy is one of those, oh, it's that guy kind of yeah. British actors. Like, I looked him up and that is Tom Goodwin Green or something like that. Okay. And he's been in everything from the British office. He was in um, just just everything. Like he has had a bit part in everything that has come out of out of BBC in like the last fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, 
this is another one of those shows that if you are familiar at all with British entertainment or the explosion of British actors into premium shows like like Game of Thrones and Penny Dreadful and Westworld right. and all this sort of thing, you recognize these actors even if you don't necessarily know their names. Um, they're the the neat glasses. So the meeting the meeting that Jonas's boss because Jonas is kind of getting pushed blown off by his own people. Yeah, and. He goes in and he's like, he wants, you know, what do I, what do I say at the next speech? I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, Jonas, and the phone rings and he's like, I got to take this call privately. And he's like, <laughs> fine. Well, turns out she has a meeting with a guy and basically, and okay. So it, it's the abandoned parking garage with the flashing light things. And I'm thinking yeah. as abandoned as a good, so much of this town seems to be, wouldn't that be even like more drawing attention to yourself? Yeah. Like, yeah. It would almost be easier to have this meeting in like a coffee shop. There's not going to be anybody exactly. There. So he's like, you know, it, so things are things are happening, and have we made a mistake with you? And she's like, no, no, I got it under control. My subordinate is a little bit of a problem, but he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. just asking logical questions. And she's, he's like, uh, are you sure everything's fine? Have we chosen poorly? You know, yeah. And she's like, no, no, everything's fine. He's like, all right. And she runs off. He gets a phone call with these cool glasses that are basically cameras. It's a cell phone camera combo, which is really kind of probably massively impractical, but it looks really cool. Oh, yeah. It's Google Glass if Google Glass had happened. If Google Glass had happened, it was cool. Um, But this actually ties into the very beginning of the episode, which we haven't talked about yet, which is we haven't talked about two things. We haven't talked about the beginning of the episode, and we haven't talked about the cop. Mm-hmm. And his his journey here. We basically just told you. Well, no, I'm sorry. We talked told you Jonas's version. Yeah, Jonas is a little, little part of the story. Um, at the very beginning of the episode, you see this military convoy come in, and one of the soldiers looks at the other one and says, "Have you been in before?" And mm-hmm. he goes, "Yes." How many times? He goes, "Enough times to know I don't want to do it again." Mm-hmm. And they drive in, and we get this again. This whole this whole sequence of the military going in and then moving into the quarantine zone with scientists in, in moon suits. Yeah. These guys are in gas masks. It's very cinematic. It's the kind of scene that you would expect to see uh, in any feature film. Mm-hmm. So you see everyone's moving through well, but there's got to be the one guy who goes off on his own. And they're in this giant building. I think he got, I think he just got turned around. Yeah. And I he, didn't even see, I didn't, like I was when I was watching that sequence, I didn't even realize that he had gotten separated from his group until he realized he was separated yeah. from his group. They're in a very big building with a lot of different hallways. And it's a beautiful, like I said, it's a beautifully shot sequence. There's these long hallways and mm-hmm. people moving down it. It's just very well done. It's very dramatic. And he gets separated and something gets him. Yeah. And so when the guy with the glasses gets the call, there's a, there's a doctor who's doing an autopsy on mm-hmm. the guy. And he says, um, Clearly, this is not working. The you know, there was supposed to, he was supposed to be immunized against. Yeah, did he this. get the immunization? And and the 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 coroner says yes, and it didn't matter. Yeah, and so I'll do the I'll do the the workup and, and get that information to you. He's like, yeah, do that. So there's another layer here. There's all, so much of this story is about what people aren't telling mm-hmm. people. And our ground-level characters, our, our quote-unquote heroes here, are the ones who are seeing the cracks on the ground and asking questions that people don't want answers given. Right. So, okay, so let's talk about the, let's talk about the detective real quick. Okay. Because he's, he can get through his story really quickly. 
basically he hears from the the <laughs> the con man the con man pocket thief yeah chess player uh who uh it's it's artful dodger artful but he is the artful dodger and he is uh, friend friends friends drama uh from... willie g yeah willie g okay. is the name of his character and he he's kind of that crook that everybody knows yeah you know he's he's doesn't do he doesn't do anything really really terribly bad Enough to get like thrown away, but the police kind of use him as an informant and things like that. Anyway, yeah, he he's the one who let Jennifer into the underground club last week, right? Last time, so he does. A, he's playing chess with with some guys, and his friends are picking their, their the pockets of the viewers. And so when he's trying to go off and do his little thing here, um, Levi, the detective, shows up. He's like, "Yeah, give me this stuff." Yeah, and. And uh, he's like, well, hey, I've got some information for you. Because he's, Levi is looking for information about the explosion, period. He wants the answers about his dog. So he's got a personal investment in this. And Levi, again, like we said last week, he's the, he's the standard issue alcohol, alcoholic cop. Mm-hmm. Although he has a conversation with Jennifer and we find out there's more to it than that. He was injured in the war, which, considering that the city's never named, the year is never named, the war could mean a lot of different yeah. things. Um, but apparently he was very young when he went in, he was injured, um, he's got a limp, and that's when he started his pills and alcohol abuse, dealing with the pain. So, he tells him about this other criminal, who's basically implying that he knows about whatever happened on on that New Year's Eve. And, you know, he's acting as though people, he's acting as though he knows something, and that he other people don't know and he's sort of, you know, basically using it as a bragging right. point. And Levi's like, really? So Levi pays a visit to this guy's club, or at least where this guy hangs out, and it is a it's we move into the move into the David Lynch portion of our program. <laughs> it's very blue velvet. Um, it's a you know, the, the club itself, the bar is silent. The bartender's got a pig mask on. There's I mean it's one of those it's a bar where nobody's talking and there is no music. Well, yeah. Well, and except for it's karaoke club because him and his goons are all singing a karaoke song in the back, and they're all dressed as skeletons. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And so it's yeah. It's like it's like uh, Harry Dean Stanton in Blue Velvet. Only I don't know. It's just so it's so weird. Uh, but the detective comes in. He's like, oh, I want to see him. And they're like, oh. So they kill him. And the scene, it's a, again, beautifully shot scene where this guy hears about it and he comes in and he walks down the hall and he pops his collar and all that stuff and you looked over and went, yeah, they're showing me 25 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) If everybody's went and walked the way they were supposed to walk or like went somewhere. And actually I was thinking about this more after the show was over. Mm -hmm. If this were an American series... These two episodes we watched would probably only cover, like, the first act break of an American series. Like, we would be done, Residue Residue would be, you know, the whole show, a whole three episodes on BBC would be one episode on if it was, like, airing on NBC. 
Okay, I can see that. Because I don't think that they would go with all the crazy, like, you know. Like, there's a whole sequence where Jennifer walks down a hallway with green LED lights, walks down the hallway to get into a building, yeah. and then does some snooping, and then the, after she's done, they have her walk all the way yeah. back down the hallway again. It's like... I mean, it's, it's got that cinematic kind of pacing to it, and it's... We've gotten so used to the to the cut 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 mm-hmm. edit. I don't mind this sort of thing. I mean, right. but it is it is something that and a lot of it is in use to what I something I pointed out last week, which was showing how sparse because mm-hmm. the city has had this five mile chunk blown out of the middle of it. But not only that, people are leaving. People have been leaving in droves, and so any time that they show the city. It is completely emptied out. Emptied out. Yeah. Like, there's a conversation that Jonas and Jennifer have. And from the context clues of the conversation, you're supposed to infer that it's probably around 7 o'clock at night. Because he's talking about having to go to this dinner, this right. banquet, to, to do this thing. And, and she is walking through, she said she's walking through the theater district. Mm-hmm. And there is, she is alone on the streets. Yeah, it's and like in a way that it is like alone on the street. Uh, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it does a very good job of establishing this isolation and emptiness and this desolation. Right. This, in a place that you know, it's not the, the place doesn't look bombed out. I mean, the quarantine mm-hmm. zone looks damaged because it's you know there was an explosion, but the rest of the state doesn't look damaged. It just looks empty. Mm-hmm. Which is very unnerving. Yeah, it made me question, like, when when did they have to do shoot these scenes? Like, what time? And like, it had to be like three or four in oh, the morning, yeah. where they were just like wandering around, like shooting, because that's the only way they could have gotten it that isolated. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very effective way of doing things to really get a sense of this. So. <laughs> Levi gets to this this low level criminal, and the low level criminal is trying to talk all tough, and Levi just stabs him through the hand, and he's like, "I'm going to come back in a couple of days, and you're going to give me some answers to my questions." And the guy's like, "Fine." Yeah. <laughs> and Levi's like, "See you later." And you know, it's it's a very effective, but it's this guy the the. The criminal is like so. He's just flamboyant, you know. I'm I'm important, mm. and then you basically get a sense very very quickly because you meet his boss that he's not important. Right. He's just a he's a low level, you know, cog in whatever machine is going on with the crime world. His boss is dressed in a tuxedo, you know, in a nice restaurant, cutting, you know, making food, and basically explaining that you know. I can't have this. I can't yeah. have you looking this stupid. Yeah. You don't, you know, you think you think you're important, but you're not important. And then this guy meets with somebody else who is apparently in the government and they're talking about this, you know, ju- you know, Levi's investigation and how they're going to put a stop to it, but they're friends in the department. So this there's all these different levels of people who know mm. you have to wonder who knows what in this world. How many so the criminal, the criminal Right powers in the, in the town. No. It's very like because this this residue was released in 2015. Yeah, uh, it makes me wonder how they are going to resolve this story in one more hour, one more 44 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It's because at this point, like, 
I don't know. <laughs> now, at the same time, though, British series have a tendency to get to endings that are not necessarily neat little bows. Mm-hmm. And so it's entirely possible we could get like, and here's the big reveal, and you're done! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, but we'll see what, what that's like. Um, so anyway, Jennifer goes into this, she goes... She goes back to the club where the geisha cut her own eyes out. And there's nobody there. Yeah. And she goes down this long hallway with the LED lightings. And she kinds of staircases, his dressing rooms, and we really got the impression that this club was an underground. Yeah, like you know, like the, it changed location. But it turns out that it's got dressing rooms, and it's a very organized yeah. kind of. And but again, it's one of those places where nobody's there. The lights are on. It's like people just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So she, she goes. She finds this room where there's all these newspaper clippings and like. Somebody scrawled liar on the wall, and like there's a shattered mirror. And just about the time she's starting to kind of like wonder what all of this stuff is about, but she's getting photos of all this. Yeah, you know. um, she turns around and she sees a black smudge on the wall, and she like walks towards it, and like kind of goes into sort of a. a hypnotic state sort of trance like thing where she's starting flashing images of the geisha girl and and manacles that was you know and she's kind of like reaching for this thing and that moist evil bubbly stuff is happening on it and you're over there going no don't do that don't 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 do that no no, we don't want to do that (laughs) we don't want to do that and yeah so so somebody like snaps her out of it and she like She's like, you're on. not supposed to be in yeah. here. She moves on to the theater district, right? Where she finds a uh, a ballet is going on that should have been canceled. Like right. all the all the uh, the the signs out front and the posters out front say canceled, but she can hear the music going on inside. Mm-hmm. So so she just like trips on in because <laughs> there's nobody there to stop her from doing nothing. Uh and she watches as the ballerina does this dance and uh then kills herself. You see she can she starts to see the the black haze fog thing around the ballerina and she gets her camera out, she's taking pictures of it, and then she she sees the ballerina take one of the curtains on stage and whip it around her own neck yeah. and then cut the ballast on on the rigging and it yanks her into the air and snaps her neck. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Jennifer's like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she is freaking out and there she has a confrontation after this. She freaks out. She's got all these pictures laid out. She sees how it's all connected to these places that are happening outside mm-hmm. the quarantine zone, and and she she's got this you know wall of photos. And admittedly, this is the point where she kind of looks crazy. Yeah, because she's got this whole wall of of photos, and she's trying to explain it to Jonas, and Jonas is just like, okay. <laughs> Maybe you should, yeah. That's what he's like. Have you had a snack today? <laughs> Have you eaten? When like, was the last was time last you actually the sleeping thing? Yeah. And she's she starts yelling at him, and and you know how he's so used to go 
not looking for the truth because of the people he works for. And then he's like, what? And <laughs> she's like, throws coffee at his face. And they both had this look on their, on their faces. Like, she's like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe you did that. And nobody says anything. Yeah. And she storms out and he's standing there going, damn it. I have to dress like an evil guy again. Yeah. This shirt was blue. It was sky yeah. blue. I was gonna. People were gonna like me. And... <laughs> I really do feel bad for Jonas. It's like that scene from uh, from that Mitchell and Webb look, where it's during during World War One and they're playing German officers, and they're like in a bunker somewhere, and and Mitchell looks at Webb and goes. Are we the baddies? <laughs> our our hats have skulls on them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, but it you know it there there's this then becomes Jennifer calling Jonas to say I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, and trying to explain you know what she's what she's feeling, but she's also. She's looking at this and thinking, there's something really, really wrong here. Yeah. And she's we, trying to get a hold of him and say, like, weird, something's really bad. Something's happening. We should leave. Yeah. Meanwhile, he has going, he's decided he's going to get his answers. Mm-hmm. And he gets in touch with Willie and they go underground. Mm-hmm. And again, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The One of the really cool things about British programming is that they tend to get really cool access to things like the underground on the underground tunnels under a significant chunk of modern british cities mm-hmm. are incredible i mean london has miles and miles of miles of tunnels that are empty mm-hmm. there's old bomb shelters under there there's bomb shelters from world war ii there's unused uh, tr- uh railway platforms there's old subway stations mm-hmm. that, are, that are closed off a lot of this stuff has been made available to the British film industry. And so they've got all this really great stuff. We don't have any of this stuff in Kansas City. Right. This... Cause you well, I mean, technically, like, if you wanted to get super technical about it, um, downtown... Oh, yeah. ...has... Downtown Kansas City is actually... Looks like it's on a hill, but it's really not. Because right. there's about... Three stories worth of tunnels and underground mm-hmm. stuff That's that true. connects almost the entire downtown of Kansas City. In fact, there's an old underground tunnel that runs from from uh, the Marriott downtown mm-hmm. to the plaza. Oh. Uh, down Main Street, underneath Main Street. Hmm. That, you know... But we don't get to film down no, there. No, we don't get to go in there. So, but anyway, uh, it's a really fantastic uh, trip down these old tunnels and pipes. And again, you're cl- they're clearly mixing locations here. Right. It's like everything else. It's this place is, you know, this has been shining. Was it Manchester? Was it Manchester? Somewhere. London and, and Hong Kong? Anyway, um, so he's being led underneath the quarantine zone. Right. And so while... Jennifer is saying, we need to get out of here, we need to get out of here, and discovering that above their bed is one of those green, those greasy, moist smudges. And meanwhile, uh, Jonas is looking at the light that's going to take him out inside the quarantine zone. And that's where the episode ends. And With her looking up and going, oh, <laughs> And him climbing up this ladder. So it's, you know... Uh, Clearly, with 44, 45 minutes left, they've got a lot to cover. And I could, I have a funny feeling that we may actually dance up to the edge of 
you know, here's the big dun dun dun, and yeah. then we're out. I mean, right. that's you know, they don't have British. Well, again, and this might also be one of those things where, you know, all of our main characters die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the episode. It's been known. Uh, the, one of my favorite British series, it was a British vampire series. Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet, thank you. Yes, Ultraviolet. Really fantastic show. They never use the word vampire. Mm-hmm. And the ending is an ending. The story, you know, there's clearly more to the story. But they, it's like, okay, this is where we're going to finish. And people sat there and asked the guy who did it. It was only six episodes long. He goes, are you going to make a second season? And he's like, No. <laughs> I told the story I wanted to tell, and I'm done. And they're like, but there was more story to tell. And he goes, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, there could be, but I don't want to. This mm-hmm. is the story I wanted to tell. And there's a lot of British shows like that. So we don't do that so much here. Um, we like to grind our media into the ground. And we'll have it limp. <laughs> limp through three seasons where you can tell that the main cast is phoning it in. <laughs> well, it, it's a, it's also a financial uh necessity here the british Brit, while clear, obviously the british television and film companies want to make money the way it's structured is different than right. you're doing it here so here you know you want to go into syndication and you want to get that sweet 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 syndication have money. you ever seen episodes yeah uh-huh. one of my favorite explanations of the way that like the difference between the way american television and the way british television works is uh, Matt LeBlanc is sitting there with the male writer talking about, because in the, because it's episodes like, it's about this couple that wrote this great British series that has been, that they've been sold the rights now to some right. American company who wants to change their show into an American show. This has never happened in the history. Oh God, it happens all the time. Yeah. And so, most of the time, very, very. One poorly. of the first things that the American people do is take their stodgy. It's about a boarding school. Their show is about a boarding school, and the, takes their stodgy British like headmaster character and turns it into Matt LeBlanc, <laughs> and and they don't really like it. And but he's you know Matt LeBlanc, and like so he's the reason the show is getting made because mm-hmm. he wants to do it. Right. And so, but in the original show, uh, the stodgy British headmaster was in love with a teacher from the from the show from the school who was a lesbian Mm -hmm. and so they write write her that way in the american show uh, but everybody wants to change it and the male writer is sitting there with matt leblanc and he's like i don't we don't want to change like this is a this dynamic is so important for the way our show worked and matt goes how many episodes of how many seasons of your show did you do in in England, and the guy's like, 10? 10 seasons? It's un- almost unprecedented in British television. He goes, okay, and how many episodes did you do a season? And he's like, I don't know, six? <laughs> and he's like, that's 60 episodes of TV. That's three seasons here in America. You're gonna, There's going to be a point in your... If this show takes off, there's going to be a point where you are struggling for sh- ideas and you're going to be kicking yourself for making this character a lesbian because th- that c- canceled out any chance that I have for romance with her. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the best, like, you know. So we're watching Residue. It's three, three episodes long, 44 minutes each one, slow as f- 
not all, <laughs> and may or may not have an ending. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, if this show were an American show, yeah. the stuff that we've spent 88 minutes watching would take up maybe the first 25 minutes of the pilot episode, and, you know, there would at least be 13 episode pickup <laughs> yeah. for, you know... <laughs> And yet, I'm, and yet I'm not minding the pace. I, the pace doesn't bother me so much. I mean, it could, uh, be, it could be faster, but it's also allowing... And again, you know, everyone's mileage is going to vary on this. Yeah. But it's allowing for tension to happen. Right. And especially in some scenes, it works really well. Like when they're going through, you know, the military guys going yeah. to the house. That was not a fast-paced sequence. It allowed the tension to build. Should, did we need to spend so much time with Jennifer walking down the neon hallway? Probably not. But it still managed to sit there and give you a sense of, of tension and dread. Mm-hmm. How much that pays off for people? Well, that's a good question. But it, it's, not, it's not bothering me. It's not bothering I'm, me. I'm six and one and a half dozen of the other. I think. If it, I think if, point, if it had the, been the pacing. a six or eight or ten episode series, and this was the pacing throughout, um, you know, then we'd be watching Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. which, although I enjoyed when Twin Peaks came back. It is an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. I never watched the first the first time because I think I was twelve. I think the uh, then... uh, well, you say if you had jumped into watching Twin Peaks now, you'd be going, "Why am I doing this mm-hmm. to myself?" Yeah, it's pretty and interesting things are happening on camera, but is there a story I'm supposed to be following? And the answer is yes, but <laughs> you have to come with a lot of foreknowledge, right? And you have to sit there and be willing to invest in characters. That if you were a fan of the original show, watching the original show, or or became a fan just binge watching the the first two series, um, maybe you'd have that character investment. But you, I think if you came in cold on this, you'd be going, "These are what? Who? Mm-hmm. Can we watch something else? Yeah, you know." But um, it's. It's one of those shows that you really, really love or you kind of hate. There's very little middle ground on that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is nowhere near that level, but it's certainly got a pacing thing that, that is, is not the standard American pacing. So, anyway, uh, one more episode. All right. And by uh, next week, we'll know when, when our normal shows come back. Right. So we'll know what we're... What we're going to be covering next? Because we have, we have, you know, this, we like to do this, and so we'll do, we'll do other things that are not Walking Dead related. We may pick up some zombie movies or something. Or... <laughs> let my poor traumatized six-year-old tell you about the Babysitter, <laughs> which I let them watch today, oh, which was dear. probably a mistake. Yes, um, you know, I waited until my kid was considerably older mm-hmm. before she looked at me and went, I don't even want to watch horror films, Dad. Go away. Mm-hmm. Like, fine. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now here on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of HorrorForMe.com. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Horror For Me Radio.